0: Well, this truly is a weekend of gratitude, isn't it? Thankful for what we have here in the United States. I was telling somebody the other day that things aren't perfect for sure, but we do live, I believe, in the greatest country in the world. And we can be thankful that God has given us that privilege to be here. This is that time of year we ponder and reflect And uh, yesterday, I was at the Goodland Cemetery, I don't know, I suppose everybody knows who I am, my name is Perry Baird, I was a pastor out of Pleasant Home Church for eight and a half years, and I work for the school district now, my boss is sitting right there, one of them. (laughs) I appreciate the school, I appreciate my job, and thankful for the people who work for the school system. And really, it is important for us to have gratitude, not just one day a year, but all the time, and. Uh, sometimes it's good for us to tell each other how much we're thankful for them. Um, in my family, we do something a little different, or actually different to some people. Years ago, they used to call it Decoration Day. Maybe some of you remember that. They used to use it to decorate the graves. In um, my family, we still do that. We go to Brewster, and we have a few relatives in Colby. We don't always go to Colby, but we go and we observe the day by going and putting flowers on the grave. Of our loved ones, and there's quite a few actually there in Brewster, Um, maybe you do that as well. I know that a lot of people go and look, and there were a lot of people yesterday uh, at the cemetery looking around, and they had a a funeral there actually for one of my cousins, and uh, his name was Dwayne Jones. He passed away, and he was in his 90s, and they had a military uh, guard there that did part of the service, and it was just to honor his service in the military. You know, that word honor is kind of a forgotten word, isn't it? (laughs) When we think about that, what is honor? Um, I found a definition that says honor is regard with great respect. We're told in the Bible to honor our father and our mother, and uh, we teach that to our children that uh, we're to honor them that they're to honor their mother and father and grandmother and grandfather and to not do things that are not honorable. It's kind of hard, though. It's one of those big uh, concepts, maybe. Uh, We had some of the uh, military in our church family stand up who are here this morning, and I'm guessing every one of you got an honorable discharge. Discharge doesn't sound very good to me, but... An honorable discharge, I guess, is a discharge from military service with a favorable record. that meant uh, figuratively speaking, you got all A's. you know you did well you You finished on a positive note, and you did your job and you did it well. and as I said earlier, I think honor is kind of a difficult concept to define, especially today, and I think it's because it's one of those concepts, a big picture concept. Another one is duty. And that's what I was kind of talking to the kids about. Uh, Really, duty is just simply a job. And so you think about people who serve our country in the military. I think about, for myself, I like to, this time of year, I like to watch war movies. Maybe there are some of you like that. You like World War II or some of the other wars. There's a bunch of them on Netflix right now. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, there are some movies that, after it's all over, I'm, I'm incredibly moved because I see what it requires to be in that position to have uh, honor and to, to do your duty, to do your job. Um, I have some pictures I'm going to have Dave put up. You might recognize these. Uh, this is from the movie Saving Private Ryan. Um, this is a band of brothers and you see Tom Hanks there in the front. I love this movie. Uh, it is not for children. <laughs> but um, World War II was quite a war and uh, there's a lot of movies and this is probably one of the better movies because it talks about the reality of war and how you know, the person that was your commander was in charge of, of you and he was literally, your life was in his hand. And go ahead and go to the next video or movie, picture. And here's uh, Private Ryan, the one that you probably saw the movie. This uh, band of brothers went to go find him because three of his brothers had already been killed. And he was the last brother, and they were going to send him home so that he could take care of his mom. And this is Private Ryan going back to France and uh, honoring these men uh, who had died. And then go to the last one, dude. And uh, that's, it's just a very moving seen. And like I said, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I can't watch it without getting emotional because uh, that's what honor looks like. That's what duty looks like. And there are other uh, concepts we could talk about. Uh, I was thinking of a few. We have loyalty, integrity, faithfulness. And these are values that we get from our parents, right? Uh, How many of you were taught work ethic? You were taught how to work and work hard. Some of you are nodding your heads, and, you know, I think that that's a a value that we don't have as much anymore. It seems like it's hard to find good help these days. Um, But these are values that came from people who uh, God put in our lives for a reason. And we live in a country that is founded on values. And I see our country moving away from those values, but they're still real. They're still important values. In spite of many of the setbacks we've seen lately, I I still think that I believe it's an honor to be an American. I believe that God has given us a privilege and an opportunity to be a blessing to many people. And one of the things I appreciate, one of the many things I appreciate about our school system is that every day during school, they do the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, Caitlin Days did a really good job leading it at the high school, and I know that they also did it at the other uh, buildings. But uh, it encourages my heart to stand up and to uh, honor the flag every single day that school is going, and I know that you probably feel the same way. Well, the reason I'm bringing this up, besides the fact that this is Memorial Day weekend, is because we as Christians also live by a value system. Um, I think that as Christians, values are more should be more important to us than probably any other group. Because like we as Americans, or we as families, uh, Christians also have a heritage. And I think uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Brian preached on this, uh, talking about the people that have gone before us that are cheering us on today. And the fact that, we're not alone and that there is a lineage of faithfulness that has gone on throughout history of God's people doing God's work. And so I call this sermon, Understanding Eternal Values. Understanding Eternal Values. It's interesting that the word eternal, eternity, or everlasting is used 71 times in the New Testament. Uh, it's this idea of God's kingdom. And what he values as opposed to what the world values. It's those things that we will carry throughout all eternity. You know, these bodies, as we sang this morning, everything will decay and rust and be gone. But eternity goes on. Uh, The values that we have in God's kingdom will continue. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17... And uh, we're going to be looking at a discourse that Jesus had with his disciples. You know, Jesus was teaching values to them, helping them understand what it was like to live according to eternal values as opposed to worldly values. But they were like us. They had a lot of work to do. They had a lot of change that needed to take place, and so they kind of struggled with this. Um, I'm just going to, let's see. I'm just going to read what's up here. I have the King James Bible, but it says, So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have done only our duty." Now, Jesus was teaching on forgiveness, and I use forgiveness as an example of an eternal value concept. Uh, Forgiveness uh, does not come naturally. Um, I have several granddaughters. (laughs) I'm not picking on just the girls. Boys do it too. But sometimes it's amazing to me just how unforgiving a two-year-old can be or a three-year-old can be. Where does that come from? Uh, I don't think they've been around us long enough to to gather that trait from us. Uh, I think it is inherent. And I think it's that way with all of us. In other words, we're born that way. The Bible tells us that we're born sinners. Um, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. And it's an example here. Jesus is teaching on forgiveness that the disciples had a little bit of trouble accepting this concept now in all fairness to me you know in my mind i think to myself yeah it seems a little bit extreme that every time somebody comes and repents i'm supposed to forgive them i mean what if they don't mean it or what if i know them you know what if i've had past history with them and uh, of course the answer here is is that it doesn't matter And so as the disciples are processing this, you know, I feel like I'm there too, and maybe you do as well. Uh, They're thinking to themselves, uh, this isn't going to (laughs) work. There's no way that this is going to be feasible in my life. And so this is what they do. They tell him, Lord, increase our faith. Now, I've preached this message several times, and it seems like every time I preach it, I get something a little different out of it. And for many years, I used to say at this point, uh, Jesus implied that it wasn't that they didn't have faith or didn't have enough faith. It's that they didn't have faith at all. In other words, it only takes a grain of mustard seed kind of faith to do the will of God. And it appears that the disciples are trying to pass the buck onto Jesus and tell him that There's not enough in us to do what you're asking us to do. Now, sometimes when I watch these World War II movies or other movies, uh, I see scenes like that where the person in charge is asking his men or women to do things that uh, seem to be certain death or seem to be impossible tasks. And then, of course, that's the whole point of the movie. They go and they do the impossible tasks and they come back heroes because they didn't realize that, if they followed the rules of the system, that great things could happen. And I think that Jesus is introducing the system of the kingdom to the disciples here in this passage, and he's helping them understand what it's like to live according to eternal values. Now, I just want to take a break here for a minute because I think we all understand a little bit about forgiveness. Um, but I think this is one of those subjects where we can like have the conceptual idea of forgiveness in our head. But I'm really talking about that thing that touches our heart. I don't know about you, but I have to admit that I really struggle with unforgiveness. I struggle with a lot of concepts. I struggle with faith. I struggle with love. I struggle with uh, many other things that, to be honest with you, when I grow throughout my day, I allow my day to get filled up because I just don't want to think about it. I've been listening to some other men preach, and uh, it's been encouraging to me. But one of the concepts that I've been studying is the idea of having a spiritual problem. Because that's what the disciples have here. They have a spiritual problem. Uh, Jesus uh, is laying things out for them, and it's not about logistics. (laughs) But it does seem like it's insurmountable, this idea of forgiveness, But essentially, he uses a a parable to help them understand that it's not a matter of ability, it's a matter of the will. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Somebody asks you to do something that you can't do. How many of you have had that experience? (laughs) Somebody asks you to do something you can't do. Well, actually, you can do it, you just don't want to do it, right? Um, It's going to be too hard. Uh, It's going to take too long. I'm tired, and I need to lay down and take a nap. I may have promised that I was going to do it, but right now I just don't feel like it. But because it is our duty, because it is our responsibility, there are times when we say, okay, I'll go ahead and do it, but I just want you to know I'm not very happy about it. (laughs) Well, that's kind of the feeling I get with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, Because they say in verse 5, increase our faith, and the Lord goes into this parable about this servant who is plowing and feeding cattle. And instead of coming home after a hard day's work, what does he do? Well, it looks like he puts on some different clothes, and he goes and he serves his master uh, his supper. Uh, We don't really have that concept today. Usually when 5 o'clock rolls around, most of us are at home or getting close to coming home, and we're asking what's for supper. Maybe moms are like this. You know, moms work all day come home, and they make supper uh, for everybody, and uh, we just kind of expect them to do that, and uh, that's a post-Mother's Day uh, push there, but, uh, you know, they don't even get a thank you sometimes, and I think that's the duty that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. When it comes to forgiveness, don't expect to hear thank you. Uh, It's kind of like, again, the, the men and women who are out in the field serving our country They don't go out there waiting for somebody to say thank you. Uh, They know that that is their job and that is their responsibility. And Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand an abstract concept by using something physical in everyday life. And I think that we can do that as well. A little bit ago I said that uh, the disciples had a spiritual problem. It wasn't a logistics problem. Uh, it wasn't an issue of a lack of faith because Jesus said you can perform miracles if you have faith, uh, or the or small faith. The issue was is that they were not participating in God's program. In other words, again, when you join the military, things change, right? <laughs> you go from being somebody to nobody. You go from having a certain lifestyle and set of clothes. And a set of activities to being completely different. Now, sometimes they may be the same. Uh, Before a person goes into the military, they usually eat meals, three meals a day. And there's a good chance that if you're in the army or navy or whatever, you're going to eat three meals a day. But the difference is, it's a different system and somebody else is in charge. And the disciples are going from them being in charge to God being in charge. And part of God's plan is forgiveness. And the issue is is that they are wrestling with a spiritual problem, and I believe that spiritual problem is unbelief. Uh, Faith is very important. In fact, I think faith is the key. Romans chapter 14, verse 23 tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. And we can't blame God for our unbelief. I think that's what the disciples were trying to do. Faith is the only thing we're told to do. And in Acts chapter 16, that's the message that Paul and Silas gave to the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So do you see the similarity to the military and the system of the military and the system of faith? Maybe you have a job like that. Maybe it feels like the military. <laughs> but... Jobs are often that way. There's a system. Um, Things are done a particular way. And after being uh, in ministry for 25 years, it was an adjustment for me to start working for somebody, and I would do what they told me to do because I was used to doing things on my own. I think a lot of us who are self-employed wrestle with being told what to do. We kind of develop our own system. And it seems like every farmer has their own system. I've worked for different farmers, and maybe you have as well. This farmer gets up at a certain time, and this farmer gets up a little later. This guy does things a certain way. He wraps his cords this way, and this person milks cows at a certain time, and they like things to be done their way, and that's a system. But when it comes to us as Christians, we have to bow to God's system. Um, Our faith has to show itself through our actions. But we also see our unbelief as well. And I think that the disciples were doing that. They were revealing that there was, again, a spiritual problem in their hearts. And that's why Jesus was doing this. He was trying to draw out what was inside of them. You see, my job is not to judge you, and your job is not to judge me. But when we go to the Word, God uses it to enlighten our hearts and our minds and helps us understand uh, what we are on the inside. Um, It's interesting, Uh, Billy Graham said this, he said, give me five minutes with a person's checkbook and I'll tell you where his heart is. Well, I think you could use the checkbook, I I think you could use the cell phone, (laughs) I think you could use a lot of things um, to determine where a person is in their heart. And again, I'm not here to judge you, this is my sermon to me and I want this to be your sermon to you, but many of our problems exist because there's something spiritually wrong. And I've been telling myself this over the last few months because, you know, life is hard, right? Uh, people do things that are upsetting and disappointing, and, and we want to help them. We want to minister to them. Things happen to good people, and we wrestle with it and we struggle with it. People get sick, and they die. And, and we think about uh, this weekend, and we think about what our country went through in, in these wars and how terrible it was. But I believe that we're not responsible for those things. We're only responsible for our reaction, our response to those things. Because life has always been hard. And I've been saying about this about myself for the last month or so. Whenever I see something that I'm wrestling with, sometimes all of a sudden I have an aha moment and I say to myself, you know what, I think there's a spiritual problem here. <laughs> I don't think it's just... Uh, a physical issue where I need more sleep or I need more vitamins or something like that, and I'm you kind know, of being vague here. But uh, every once in a while, i all of a sudden realize that there's a problem that has a spiritual source behind it. There's something spiritual that needs to be adjusted. Probably most of you know we have a men's group here. And uh, during the school year on Monday nights, we meet. And uh, it's interesting because when I first started going to the men's group a year and a half ago, we met for two hours. <laughs> and then it was two hours and 15 minutes. And then it was two hours and 30 minutes. And then it was three hours. And the wives, the, the women would go by after their Bible study and look in there and see what we're doing in here. And uh, now I think we're up to three and a half. And sometimes there's even afterglow afterwards. And what I've noticed is is probably if I'm not here, there it's short by about 30 minutes because I do like to talk. But... Things have been happening in our group. Uh, as we've been together as a group of men, uh, eventually you get to the point when you hear other people talk, you say, you know what, they're sharing their spiritual problem, maybe I can share mine. And that's what's been taking place. Over time, as we've been listening to each other's stories, um, you get past the, the peripheral stuff, the stuff that you know uh, we're concerned about every single day, and we lay that aside and we deal with what's right here in our heart. And it's been encouraging to see some of our younger men uh, come in this group and start to open up because they have an opportunity right out of the box to have that kind of special relationship, not just with our men's group, but it ultimately depends on our relationship with God. And one of the things that I figured out about myself being in this men's group is that uh, God and i aren 't very close. <laughs> I grew up. I was saved early, uh, went to church. always had a pretty good relationship with church, um, always there. my family, we were always very faithful and loyal, like many of you i've been in ministry, and uh, always had a pretty good gig going here. Um, but what I discovered was is that once I got out of that and got into an uncomfortable situation. Here, here, and took a different job there, uh, started having some family issues. All of a sudden, I realized my roots weren't very deep, and that there was a spiritual problem that I hadn't dealt with. And one of the first steps to getting help in your heart is found in James chapter 5, verse 16, which says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, in order to get victory over that thing, you've got to talk about it to somebody. You've got to bring it before some brothers, if you're a man, or some sisters, if you're a woman. Those things that you can't talk to anybody about, those things that, you know, in spite of the finances, in spite of the family, in spite of the condition of our world, it's that thing that, that you wake up in the middle of the night and you say, I just wish I could get some help. And I don't know if you have that, but that's, that's what I've had. And uh, when we stepped down from Pleasant Home Church, it was because of that. It was because I felt like I needed something in my heart. I needed something to, to get taken care of. And maybe that's where you are today. Uh, maybe you have a spiritual problem and you know you have a spiritual problem and you want help. And I, I'm convinced that that's why a lot of people take their lives. Because they're looking, they're searching for help, and they're not getting the help they need because it's not financial. Uh, it's not going to be fixed through through a different diet. It's not going to be taken care of by any other means other than an intimate relationship with God and intimacy with God's people. Because, you see, our spiritual condition is what keeps us from a right relationship with God. Um. Isaiah (laughs) 59.2, I don't know if we have it, I don't think I gave it to you, did I? Uh, This is the verse that says, your sin has separated you from your God, and it's a very, very, very unsettling concept that sin alienates us from God, even as believers. Uh, Sin is what keeps us from God, and we need salvation from that sin to bridge the gap, but even as Christians, sin still offends God, and he cannot have fellowship with us. And therefore, there is no intimacy. Matthew twenty three thirty seven, Jesus wept, wept over Jerusalem. And this is what he said. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to, sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you, at, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. And that's the point I'd like to make <laughs> this morning in Luke chapter 17. Uh, when the disciples were approached with the concept of forgiveness, in their minds they said, I can't do that. And it's like, okay, Lord, let's talk about this a little bit. <laughs> uh, maybe you can give us some faith. Maybe we can get this figured out. Uh, but this this idea of, of forgiveness every single time is just more than what we can bear. And the issue is it wasn't that there was a lack of ability. It was a lack of willingness. Because that's what I've discovered about myself. It's not a lack of ability because God can do anything, right? God is a faithful God and he is all-powerful and that's what we say. We sing about it. And if God is all-powerful and God is all-capable and he has offered that to me, what is the problem? Well, the problem is is I I still don't want to. But this is the catch. This is the thing that keeps me up at night. When you have a, a little granddaughter in the hospital for six weeks and you're praying that God will heal her, you're on your knees asking God to heal that loved one. But the Bible clearly says that if there's sin, if there's something, if there's if there's a spiritual problem, God will not hear our prayers. Because that's what the Bible says. Psalm sixty-six eighteen points that out. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And then James 4, 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with your own motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, we're not in God's system. We're in our own system. And I believe that until we get into God's plan, until we... Uh, find it as our duty to say yes to God, regardless of whatever it is He tells us to do, and that—that's a lot sometimes. I don't think we're going to have what we need because it—it's there's a spiritual problem. I have a couple of uh, screenshots of a pastor in Denver. His name is Jim Bergen, and if you want, you can go online and listen to the sermon. And you know, he comes from one of those churches that the music is loud and everybody has a tattoo. <laughs> That's where Dana and Mickey go, by the way. Uh, but there's a couple of screenshots I want to share because this is kind of where this came from. Um, just go ahead and put one up here. <laughs> uh, whatever is happening on the outside is just an overflow or a symptom of what's going on in the inside, Matthew twelve thirty four, And that's kind of what I've been saying. Um, you're, you're having problems. I'm having problems. We're wrestling. A lot of times the reason it's like that is because there's something going on in our hearts that's not getting resolved. And we we operate in the flesh, and we try to fix things ourselves, and we, you know, we, we get upset, and we do things the same way, and we try to apply the same solution to the same problem, and it just doesn't work. Go ahead and put the second one up. Big truth, if we don't allow Jesus to fix the inside, nothing on the outside really changes for long, and Uh, my wife and I, oh, it's been a couple months ago, we had a come to Jesus meeting. I think that's what Pastor Brian calls it at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I finally admitted to her that, you know what, I'm good for about six weeks. You know, I I say, yeah, you're right. You know, I I have these things I need to change. Um, And for six weeks, I'm motivated. I do that thing, whatever it is. Then after six weeks, uh, we kind of forget about it and we get tired and things kind of go south, and all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm I, my commitment's not there, and it's interesting, because this guy, Jim Bergen, he says, he adds on to this, and this is for my men's group, he'll say, you might even join a group, and it'll last for a year, <laughs> and that ex- that's the exact same thing that happened to me, I, I joined the men's group, and and you know what, I could talk about my problems all day long, I could talk about the struggles I have in my heart, but it wasn't until... I acknowledged the sovereignty of God in my life and said, you know what? My duty, my responsibility is to do what Jesus says no matter what. And I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to like it. <laughs> because if God's in charge, I don't have to worry about the consequences. It's the right thing. It may not feel like the right thing, but if God's in charge and he tells me to do this, everything's going to be Okay? I'd just like to suggest this morning that, you know, if you're here this morning, everything's good and you're you're fine. You know what? You'll walk out those doors, and I'm happy for you. But I'm guessing there's a few of you like me. And I'd like to close with a an illustration. Several years ago, I had a couple that came out to Pleasant Home Church, and uh, they were in their late 60s, close to 70, and the husband was about ready to pass. He was in uh A place in Salina, you know, where you live uh, for those last few weeks. And uh, I got a request from his wife. They had both been Christians for many, many, many years. But she had never heard his testimony. (laughs) They had lived together for sixty years, they had gone to church together, but she wasn't one hundred percent sure that he was a believer in Jesus. She had never heard her husband's testimony. So she asked me, she said, would you come and talk to my husband about his faith in God? I said, I'd be happy to. So drove to Salina. I sat down next to his bed. His name is Red Campbell, by the way, if you happen to know him. He lived in Colby, north of Colby. Uh, I sat down next to Red, and I said, Red, uh, your wife and your daughter sitting here would like me to talk to you about your faith in God, especially as we're getting close to the end of your life. I said, would you be willing to share your testimony of faith with me? And as soon as I said that, he started to cry. And I could tell that there was, that I had touched something in here. And it's not that he uh, wasn't saved. In fact, he did have a testimony. But I believe he got to the point in his life where the cares of the world were so important that he didn't talk about it that much that his relationship with God was something that was hidden inside and that he didn't deal with. And I believe it was to the point where the people around him that loved him the most were not 100% sure that if he died, that he would be in heaven after he died. I think that this little illustration of forgiveness can tell us where we are. And if there's somebody that you have awed against, if there's somebody that you need to forgive, uh, you need to do that. And I have to admit, there are some people that I have like that in my life as well. And that is the beginning of healing. And if you need help, talk to somebody about it. Uh, I encourage women to talk to women and men to talk to men. Because I think that there's something about that. There's a camaraderie there that helps us when we deal with similar problems. And it's like it says in James chapter 5, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another because we do need healing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our time that we can spend here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for those who served our country and went into the uh, surety of death in battle without question, Lord, because they were doing their duty. I pray that, God, we as Christians will do our duty because you have called us, Lord, out of darkness into your marvelous light. You want us to forgive, Lord, and that's just a simple facet of what you've called us to do, Lord. There's so many other things. I pray if there's one person here this morning that has a spiritual need, that they will talk to somebody about it. They'll talk to Pastor Brian or one of the other elders. That they'll talk to uh, someone that they trust here in this congregation or elsewhere. I pray that, God, you will just help us to be of one mind, of one heart, and that we will encourage one another as we grow together in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray.